0: is out. The Age of Independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone, loyal listeners. This is Caitlin Agar, and I'm guest hosting Coming Back to the Show on Agency Intelligence podcast, sharing the real action inside real agencies, bringing you real agency intelligence and not the artificial they want you to believe. The series is sending a clear signal that the age of independence is here where the next generation of rockstar agencies will transform the agency landscape and that'll change forever what you expect out of the agency ownership opportunity so um, we're walking through a bunch of different topics together uh, armed with the right carrier partnerships which you may already have lined up if you're an independent agent and a digital marketing plan that's powerful that's going to expand your reach and fueled with a highly trained and highly motivated team, you can redesign your agency to compete and knock out the competition in the modern market, all without losing the heart and soul of your agency. So this series is all about you. And as the agency owner, that's why we wanted to invite a special guest to share the work that she is doing. Hi, Kelly, inside agencies to help them transform from the inside out inside out so welcome Kelly how are you today Caitlin if I was any better I'd be my husband (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome. You are doing so much at Agency Performance Partners to empower agencies to build ridiculously amazing agencies. So just want to talk with you a little bit more about that. You're the CEO and founder of Agency Performance Partners. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing inside agencies?
1: Yeah. So um, our coin phrase is we help agencies become ridiculously amazing because I just see in my work, I've actually had the pleasure of working with over a thousand independent agencies wow. between the U S and Canada. Yeah. And, um, I just see that a lot of times, you know, small things make a big difference, but sometimes it's difficult decisions, whether it's putting people in different seats on the bus, have installing a process and retraining people into better ways of doing things. Um, But really, our main goal is just to say, how do you have more fun and make more money and keep it simple? And I think sometimes when you're inside of an agency, it's very cloudy and you need someone from the outside saying, hey, no, these are the couple steps we can do and we'll get there together. So I love what I do. I wake up every morning excited to do what I do. Um, And I think that in a lot of ways, it's the biggest blessing you could ever have in life.
0: That's amazing. Where did you get this passion for helping agency owners. And when you, when your team goes in, you, you guys are really rolling up your sleeves and really getting in there and really coming alongside the agency owner when they're navigating some big changes on the team. Yeah. So uh, I'll just start with my story. Cause I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've
1: recently, uh, you know, gotten a little bit more authentic on my story, I guess. Um, awesome. Before I had the big corporate, like, you know, <laughs> thing, but So uh, this is like the down and dirty truth of it all was I was 18 years old, um, got into a college that my family had no intention of ever being able to afford. And I had to work three jobs. And one of them was a bank teller while I was in school. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I got my first introduction to insurance. And lo and behold, I needed money for books and maybe some pizza and some beer. And so as incentives came up, you know, and keep in mind bank telling, like, this is when there was just debit cards. People still came into the bank. I know I'm dating myself, but it wasn't that long ago that like you'd go into a bank. It was 20 years ago. I was 18. I'm 37. Um, and so, you know, I was like, all right, well, there's this incentive. I can make 10 bucks for doing X, Y, Z. Let me hop on it. And, um, I got, what I realized though, is that there was no training at the bank, right? Like it was cross sell insurance, get the lead over there, do auto. And like, I'm like, I'm 18. I don't have a car payment. You know, I have a thousand dollar POS outside, (laughs) you know, like, so (laughs) my first car was
0: a thousand dollars too. So
1: (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm at the bank and I'm like, well, I need money and how do I do this? And so being in college, like I started like reading and studying and just, I just tried. I didn't have any of the jadedness you get as you get older. And so lo and behold, like I started being really successful. And I got the attention of like the CEO of the bank and um, some of the executives. But the second this happened, my co started hating me. And first of all, I'm like this young person and they're all, you know, 25 years older than me. And they had the management had been like, you need to do this. And they were failing and you could see the parallel to agencies. So, you know, being young, I actually toned it down. And I said, hey, I, you know, I need to play it small because I'm not being accepted here. And these are my peers and I blew a huge opportunity at the bank, (laughs) you know, like, because I played it into the idea that, you know, staying in this pack was more important than my potential. I learned that lesson, got out of college, got a job, went to another small business. They had no processes and procedures. I was figuring it all out again on my own, became kind of successful at that. Then the mortgage crisis hit the whole economy collapsed and I became unemployed. (laughs) just Like without a job, I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Let's go back into insurance. The most stable thing in the whole entire face of the planet. It's <laughs> still here guys.
0: <laughs> Rocking or
1: rolling. Yeah. And I got back into insurance and, you know, through the, you know, bounced around a bit, but then got recruited by a tech firm. And this is back when like websites were just becoming a thing. I got my first Facebook page working for this company. And what we realized is we could drive leads to an insurance agency but from there, once they picked up the phone, they didn't know what to do with them. Exactly, like, it wasn't like, quote, my neighbor, it was like, Hey, I'm shopping my insurance today. And everything was a disaster. So we started getting bad feedback, like your leads suck. You're, you know, you hear this all the time. Yeah. And it was like, we we recorded phone calls. We listened to me like, the leads don't suck. <laughs> like This person got put into voicemail. This person didn't get call back for two days. Like all this stuff started happening. So That's when I started building the strategies that agencies needed to kind of adapt in a new way and getting team buy-in. So I, I, we've, you know, I've never told that story before. I've always told them more professional, like (laughs) not many people know I was unemployed at one point in time and, (laughs) but we're in 2020 and the authentic side becomes a little bit more important. So that's kind of where I got my start and I got my passion to saying, Hey, so many small businesses don't have these tools, but they, people need them. And a lot of people aren't going to go off on their own and find them. But then couple that with the peer acceptance, like how do you make it so that this is part of the culture where success is, is exciting and happy, not looked down upon like, gosh, well, you know what? You're making me look bad when you do that. And I think that that's a big challenge in agencies.
0: I think that's a really real need. And if we can, make it as as easy as possible for our team members to embrace these big changes. I think that it um, goes a long way and that's easier said than done. But I think if it's part of the, the vision is how can we make it as easy as possible for them to come alongside with some of these, these big mindset shifts and some of these changes in the agency where maybe we used to do things one way and we're seeing that we're not getting the same results. We're not getting the results that we need to have. So then as a group, coming around ideas together, and then a plan to move forward and working together. To your point, for our team members that are also, they have relationships with clients, but also the other team members in the agency, setting it up so that they can feel confident and feel successful, but um, reducing some of that friction that can occur when one person is jumping on the bandwagon and doing what they need to do for the team and the different challenges that can bring with it.
1: Yeah, I you know, when agencies go through transformation, I think that it's really important that the leader be a leader. And, you know, how do you communicate this message and what people fail to understand is that as an adult you need to hear the same thing 22 times to remember it. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, I like so we say like oh we had a meeting we told you but like people need time to digest and absorb and understand and understand their role and face their own fears, right? So the older we get, the more our past experiences kind of play into it. So there's this whole saying of you know, you and I could be in the same room at the same table hearing the same message and I hear it differently than you hear it, you know, because maybe you're hearing change this. That the next thing you worked in an agency and something similar happened and it was a disaster and that's where your brain wants to go. And so I think as people go through these big changes, it's really important to keep in mind like the three things. And I'm a big like three person because I think four is too much and two is too little. <laughs> So like three things is one. What's in it for me? Like, that's all your staff cares about. And that's not meant to be selfish, but how is this going to make my life better or easier? You know, that's number one. Number two, your staff wants details. So most of the team in an agency is like mini underwriters, right? Whether you're in sales or you're in service, you're constantly manipulating risk all day. So when you come to your team with this plan, we're going to change. Like I'll just use something small. We're going to do video proposals in in like an account manager's head is i don't have a video camera what's the software i don't look good on video what am i going to say people aren't going to like it like they go through all the details and you're trying to paint this huge vision of how amazing it's going to be because you heard it on an amazing podcast and you can't wait to do the next coolest thing that's going to change the world we're going to sell more insurance and they're underwriting all the difficulties and so you have to come to people with a really detailed plan because that shows that you thought it out and that it's, it's going to stay and that it puts their fears at risk. Like in the staff's mind, they want to go back to their desk and do it tomorrow to show you that they're trying to do a good job. And so when you don't have all that plan, they're like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, like it gets kind of tough. And then the biggest thing to get a plan and change to be successful is even the smallest little successes you got to talk about. So. So often as people, we talk about the bad stuff, right? The fires. So as we're going through huge agency transformation, we actually require that agencies have what we call a happy hour meeting every morning. There's no cocktails, even though it would be great if there were. (laughs) But everyone's got to get up and just say one good thing that happened yesterday in regards to whatever transformation. And it doesn't matter if it's like, I like her sweater. She had a nice sweater yesterday. (laughs) Like it could be this dumbest stupid thing is it could some days there's just bad days, right? Um, and I think that the biggest thing you have to think through is just stopping and saying, Hey, if we start talking about the good things, the negative stuff that we're going through becomes less significant, but you can't let the negative stuff monopolize 50% of your brain. It's gotta be, you know, we're going through change. Of course, it's going to be hard.
0: And I love how the happy hour meeting brings, uh, the team together. They're all in it together, facing the same challenges and, we're all so much more effective when the person next to us is having a good day, and we are having a good day, and we can share that energy. And um, we're asking our teams to do some pretty hard things. We're asking them to do some things that feel counterintuitive, like like a video proposal. Which you know, there's a hundred reasons why a team member might feel trepidatious. Um, most people don't feel s- super confident on video or on Facebook Live, and um, and then when you add on the insurance layered to that and what they're going to communicate and everything. I, I think that if everyone is um, doing it together and building momentum together, it makes it so much more fun to your point. And it can yeah. be really exciting as those wins start coming in.
1: You know how it goes, right? The one person has some camera issue and the sound doesn't work. And that's what everybody talks about. And the person who's like, well, somebody wrote back, they really liked it is like, You know, it's at like a two volume and the person with all the problems is like a 25 volume. And so when you're surrounded by that, you think the whole thing's a disaster. But the reality is, is like those good little nuggets are the most important part because they give us hope and they validate that we're on the right track.
0: Now, remind me again, how many agencies did you say that you have worked with? Because it was a pretty big number.
1: Yeah, it's a thousand at this point. Um, So between the technology company I worked for where we ran the sales, you know, the, the training division and my company six years in, it's over a thousand.
0: That's incredible. That's a huge reach. And so I'm curious because you have worked with so many different agencies, different sizes, different agency owner personalities in different communities with different needs and different teams. When you think about common threads, what are some of the biggest mindset agencies that you and your agencies have partnered with together to tackle?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll walk you through it. We, we believe in like these six pillars. Um, And so the first one is, you know, you have to assess the situation as your agency grows. And I said this on the podcast I did with Jason Cass, like if you're doing it right, you're going to outgrow some people. And that's a big heartbreak. And I say that up front, I've outgrown people that were loyal, started with me, believed in the mission, but as the company grew, we needed a higher caliber and they just never took the carrot to that next level. And it's heartbreaking, you know, and we are all good people. We all have a lot of loyalty, but the reality is, is like your number one role as a CEO is to protect the asset and to protect the business. And if you feel like you've given people every chance to take those leaps with you and they just don't, you have to make decisions that are really hard. Um, Very difficult. It's super difficult and you have to keep assessing the team. You know, our biggest, our biggest investment every month is payroll. And so you have to constantly be looking at like, how am I managing this investment? And I don't mean to sound harsh or callous, like people aren't people. People are amazing, but they're your brand ambassadors. And so as your brand ambassadors, are they fulfilling that, that role in the agency? And if people are not, and they've been given tools and training and everything and, they just can't jump. You have to make some decisions. And I think a lot of agencies, when we start off, they struggle. How many people do I need? Everyone's so busy. We can't keep up. What is going on? Like we're killing ourselves, but we're not growing. And so you have to kind of assess the situation um, for sure. And then we look at it like time management. You know, one of the struggles we hear consistently with staff is everything has the same priority. And I say, no. Our brains love two-minute tasks, right? So we keep putting in these two-minute tasks all day long, make a payment, auto ID card, certificate, and then the remarket sits. The you know new business sits because it's a 45-minute task that requires a lot of brain cells. And I'd rather get all my two-minute tasks done before I get to my big task. Because if those things are cleaned up, I can get to the big one. But let's face it, the two-minute tasks keep coming in it's kind of like um remember I love Lucy where the chocolates keep coming yes. down. Class. The chocolates keep coming down and then we're not getting any any further ahead. So you really need to invest in your team to have strong time management skills today, because as a frontline employee, you're getting hit in all different directions. And a lot of it's disorganized. And because, you know, the account manager staff generally are more people pleasers, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but If you can't be as a producer, okay, I'll help you with that. The owner comes in, I'll help you with that. There's somebody on the phone, I'll help you with that. And they're left with this pile and they let everybody down, including themselves. And so you need a really strong time management strategy. We also, another third pillar is retention. We believe in proactive renewal calls, 110%.
0: Don't be Uh, afraid of waking the sleeping giant. Make the call, get ahead of it. (laughs) It is so much easier to consult with a client and review their policy renewal with them explain the reason for the price increase, give them some options and review their policy with them, reinforce the value of what they have. That's so much easier than waiting for the phone to ring. And they say, Hey, um, I'm, I just, I'm calling cause I need to cancel my policy on Friday. Oh my gosh. Well, we're so sorry to see you go. What happened? Well, I found something cheaper. Uh, well, would you like another quote? We work with 10 different carriers. Well, no, I already have something set up That's way harder to turn around when they, and you can absolutely turn those conversations around, but it's a lot more difficult than if you get ahead of it and you're showing up for your clients and giving them solutions so that they don't find themselves in a position where they have to shop. I like want to virtually hug you right now
1: because (laughs) agencies are like, there's no way, there's no way. I'm
0: like, no, there is a way. There's a clear
1: way. And it's going to be terrible for 60 days. And then it's going to get a hundred percent (laughs) better. It's it's true. That's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about the renewal calls, like tell me another way that you're going to get everybody's updated contact information. So you can text them, email them and automate communication. You can't tell me your book doesn't have, you know, ticking time bombs in it. That's much better to get ahead. Tell me you couldn't grow and never take a new piece of business and just cross sell your current book and bump your retention and be way more profitable than chasing new business. Tell me that your staff's so stressed out running around chasing rate because we don't give them the right strategy to say, if we're proactive, you don't get that snarky phone call. Um, And then the other thing is too, and you know, this is something that's just been on my mind a lot is like, how are we ever going to show our value if we're not proactive? Like we over-service the crappy accounts and the $5,000, $10,000, $5,000 $5,000 purse lines accounts gets no attention because they pay their bills. They change a vehicle every four years. And that's the end of it. They never need us for anything. And we treat them 10 times worse than the person who's got a $700 policy that walks in to make a payment. And we spend two hours a year because the payment's 10 minutes and we give them all of our attention and the good accounts. We don't, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of obsessed with is start the idea of Starbucks and you can like Starbucks or not Starbucks, like, but how in the world did they sit down one day and be like, we are going to charge people $4 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> it could cost 10 cents. Or- and we are going to own that. <laughs> and We are going to make it a cult following. A and and proud just, of Yeah, when you see a Starbucks, you see it. I, w- I waited in line 25 minutes in a drive through the other day to get the Starbucks. And I'm thinking to myself, see, like if insurance agents had this mentality that we are worth it not there's cheaper price out there. We are worth it because we have a value up proposition that's going to protect you and your family, Caitlin, but we don't have that. We're so transactional. And it, you know, it, I think it just bogs down everything
0: so much. Our carrier position can be a dual-edged sword because we have all these amazing options for clients. I believe clients deserve options and that being in a role where you can provide professional advice and really guide someone to finding their true fit and making sure that their family's taken care of is awesome. And it's so great that we have these different carriers with different products and different features that we can match that family with. But at the same time, it can be a distraction from the true value that we provide, which isn't just price price is a factor but it's not the only factor that goes into properly protecting a family so how do we as independent insurance agents work with clients to make sure that they're best protected without price becoming the focus of everything that we do so i
1: think that you know aside from renewal review calls there's three key challenges i see with the frontline team first of all the multiple carrier scenario—it's really hard to know all the features, all the discounts, all of the ins and outs of twelve carriers that change routinely. And I say this because as we go through our different programs, we really challenge this idea that you know, if—and we get the carrier reps involved sometimes too, like check this quote what discounts were missing and then they'll go back and be like there was two here they could have gotten this quote down with the same company by applying discounts and because we're running so fast being transactional and being reactive we don't slow down and truly learn our product um and i think that that's a big challenge we encourage agencies to have kind of like core carriers and have some supplemental carriers but those core carriers we should be able to spit out the features on the top of our heads, be able to say, this is roughly $8, whatever it is, and have product education. Um, and I'm a big advocate for showing that as a big value proposition, because if I can't tell you if this carrier has service line protection, Caitlin, that's on me, that's not on the, the, the client. I, you know, as As the agent, I need to be educated and ready to go. And so we see a huge knowledge gap there. The second thing we see, and this is, this is sticky, so I'm going to warn people in advance that this is one of those crunchy, sticky, scratchy topics. It's really hard for frontline team members to sell something they don't have. And so one of the things we do when we work with agencies is we say, let's pull your staff's policies. And it's not meant to rub it in anybody's face, but if somebody has low auto-limits, how are they ever going to sell higher auto limits? They don't believe in it themselves to protect their own family. And that is where the rubber meets the road of, okay, we need incentive plans we need to see, we need to make sure that they're well-motivated to do this. But I need people to understand and be able to sell me. And we do this in workshops of how do you sell an umbrella? Oh, it's extra million dollars in liability coverage. I'm a nurse. I have no idea what that means. You know, if you break it down to instead, you know, your teenager goes out and hits somebody and there's a bad accident, are you prepared to come out of pocket? I know what that means, but you have to be able to sell what it is, the features, the advantages, and the benefits. And a lot of a lot of people, we took the licensing test, but no one ever really taught us how to position some of these policies. And so breaking that down is a big part. And then the the final component, I think, to really getting through and showing our value is taking a moment and just saying to everybody, you know, writing it down, like, what do we do here that shows value? Like, just have a checklist, you know? Um, You get your certificate within an hour. Um, You know, we're open on Saturdays. We do renewal calls. But it can't be, you know, the same stuff everybody else is. You have to find something that's important to your target market and hook that. Um,
0: I think there's probably things that the team is already doing intuitively that they may not know how to articulate to the client. Mm -hmm. So let's say a client calls me and they're like, oh my gosh, my price has been going up and I just need to cancel this policy. I'm not even driving my car right now because of COVID. One thing you could say is, well, here at our agency, we believe that you deserve credit for that having less mileage on the road. I'm going to explore what kind of discounts are available to you. It's just a different way of saying sure, I'm going to try to save you money today. Or you could say here at our agency, we believe that because you are driving so little right now, that that is a place where we can step in and help match you with the right discounts for your family. And that sends such a clear message that your agency is there because you have the clients back and because you care about what is in their best interest. And at that point, it's not just about the price and it's not just about which telematics program you're going to put them with. It's a a more powerful message that you're sending.
2: Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude,
1: Yeah and I I really believe that first of all the independent agent channel is the least convenient way to buy insurance. So we have to be the most valuable way to buy insurance. You know, like we have to drive our value every single minute that we can. And when we make everything transactional and just say, "Okay, great. I'll uh, take your car off the road. No problem." And then you don't realize, "Hey, I took your car off the road, but now you don't have coverage." And when you go back to put it back on the road, you're getting like slapped around. There's no value in that. You know? Um, And I think that we really have to start thinking about the outcomes. And, you know, I look at it like that frontline team is so valuable. And sometimes in insurance, we over put preference on the producers, the new business people. And we forget that millions of dollars of premium is serviced by these frontline people. And I don't think that there's enough training out there for them. I don't think that there's enough resources. I don't think that they have a voice, like even on the podcast circuit, You see all these podcasts, be a producer, producer, like, let's talk about agency management. And I'm like, well, Sally CSR, who is managing $3 million, $2 million of premium for somebody doesn't have nearly the same amount of resources as some of the producers or agency owners out there.
0: It's a highly nuanced role. And I think that when you are in a, a service role or a client loyalty role, account management role, there's so many things that need your attention that are multifaceted. So a sales conversation is challenging and it has its challenges, but each sales conversation that you have with a client falls within a range of where that conversation is going to go on the client care side. You may have to deescalate a concern and then hop right into unraveling a difficult problem. And you need to know all the carriers in and out and what they require for you to properly process endorsements and There's so much opportunity on all of those calls that then you're also supposed to wrap your arms around, okay, now that I've taken care of your immediate need, what can I do to also maximize the opportunity on this incoming call? And then they find themselves in sales conversations where now they need to be cross-selling the account and rounding out the account or having the liability conversation. And so they're bouncing back and forth from what's inherently a sales conversation to then what's a client care conversation and all the while making sure that they're maintaining quality and compliance and underwriting guidelines and protecting the agency from E&O. And that right there, I think is enough to um, make somebody's hand sweat. It's a lot. And so, man, how do, how do agencies come alongside people that are in multifaceted roles and help them um, deliver with confidence so that it's something that they can enjoy and, and be really skilled at doing?
1: So one time we counted at one account manager's desk, they had 88 logins. Oh my like, gosh. You know, management system, premium finance company, docuSign, mm. carrier, you know, all the stuff, right? Like so can you know 88 different systems well and be efficient? No, absolutely not. <laughs> like like a negative, right? Um I think the biggest thing and the the wish that I have for a lot of agencies is to really understand that role because to me it's like I can go produce more new business, which is critical. I'm not saying it's not, but I also have this investment that's right here. And um, how do you get the best people, the best training and really give them confidence. And what's happened is in that role. And I think why I'm so, I don't want to say obsessed, but like, it's, it's a big passion of mine is that role has changed. In it 10, 15 years. It used to be an agent's assistant that would type letters. And then it was the girls, they do the data entry. The girls, you know, like they are doing, they're doing the typing and the, the the producers would never log into a system. No, the girl, the girls did the, the data entry. And then it was like, oh well, you know what, personalized producers are hard to come by. We were not really profitable on them. So you're going to sell to, and you're going to sell and you're going to service because you're a licensed agent. So you can do all that. Um, and so it's like, it's this really unique combination of things. And, um, if I think, you know, the best way that I always look at showing value is, you know, it starts from the top of that authentic value proposition. Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? And how do you empower your team to have really difficult conversations? Right? Like, Hey, Caitlin, I know your rate went up, but you're still (laughs) underinsured. You know, how many people want to have that conversation? (laughs) Not, not many.
2: <laughs> and they but certainly it, you know, don't
1: want to feel alone in having that conversation. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it's also too you know, there's an easy out, right? Well, I could reshop you. And then if I reshop you, okay, we solved the problem. You you're paying less, you're happy and we keep going on, but we still didn't really have that conversation about how you're underinsured, <laughs> And so it kind of goes into so many different directions, but I really believe that in the account manager role, Looking at virtual assistant support roles, non licensed roles, you need to get the $10 an hour jobs off the people managing millions of dollars of premium. And if they're licensed, you need to empower them to get those two-minute tasks off their desk so that they can have those conversations that you truly want them to have.
0: So you have to create room and bandwidth where those conversations can happen and happen where they're on the phone with a client and they can focus on that conversation as if it's the only call they're going to have that day. If you want them to be able to do a risk review or an on the spot policy review or talk about, hey, I see that you have your home with us, but you don't have your car with us. If they have a stack of mortgage clause changes on their desk (laughs) or uh, 20 people over here that need an ID card, they're in a stressed and anxiety mode that doesn't make it easy for them to then take that next call with the person that's adding on a card to their policy and then transform that conversation into something that's extra meaningful for the client. And so by leveraging some of those things, taking some of those things off their plate and giving it to someone in another role where it makes sense. I think gives them room to breathe in the role where they can have more authentic conversations with clients and maybe the business owners that have commercial with your agency and take the time. And then when they have those more meaningful conversations with the client, they're getting to know that person, even if it's over the phone and it's not face-to-face, I think they start to enjoy their job even more because then the phone rings, they know that person, they can chat, they feel like they gave advice that was meaningful and that they're they're making a difference and they start to love their job more and more and more. It's hard to get excited about mortgage clause changes.
1: Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though, for the right person that wants that task orientated, like I want to crush a stack of paperwork. I'm a processor brain. That's, they, they don't want to talk to people like, no, I, I want to just do the task and that's what I love doing. And it's perfect and it's spot on and you will never have an and then issue. You get a where, sense of
0: accomplishment out of that too, when you allow them to zero in on what they're really good at. No doubt. And I think the biggest thing that you see
1: is. Um, agency owners have this idea in their head of what a producer is supposed to be doing and what an account manager is supposed to be doing. But at the desk level, the work like coming in hasn't changed. So I still get auto ID change cards and this and that and that, and all this is happening, but you want me to do this. And this feels extra, like this feels like a luxury. If I have enough time today, I will make renewal calls. If I have enough time today, I'll talk to that person about where their homeowner's insurance is. And so you have to really kind of reset the expectations. Um, I said to somebody today, I was like, the number one thing I email people is job descriptions. Like people want and agencies want to know, like, what is a good job description? What should people be doing? What does this look like? And our job descriptions, but what's the mission of the role? Like, what are you here to do every day? Because it's not mortgage clause changes. <laughs> like, yes, you have to potentially if that's part of your, your gig, but, the real role is for, you know, you to be the brand ambassador for the agency so that we we keep customers, we keep them happy, they understand their coverage and you're protecting the book of business at all points in time. That's the real role. And we get there and we measure that because I know you want to talk a little bit about KPIs and data. We measure that by the retention rate. We measure that by your book growth. We measure that by, you know, net promoter promoter score on your book of business. And here's the key strategies you do to get those things, those numbers where you need them to be. And we look at job description, just work from like, what's the strategy here? Because I'm the frontline person. Give me the strategy to read, to increase retention. But so many agencies, Caitlin, and I'd love to hear your input on this. Like they don't even know their retention rate. You know, like our joke is always, oh, what's your retention rate? Good. And I was like, when did good become a number? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> And I was like, well, what is it? It's not, but so it's not great. It's just good. <laughs> you know, like, what does that mean? And it's like the carriers tell me it's it's good. <laughs> it's like, well, you represent 10 of them and you're moving business all the time between them. So what does that what does that mean? Um, and so I think like where we're trying to go here, and I know one of the things that you're passionate about is that whole like, hey, how we need to put some clear metrics in place because otherwise everything we just talked about is feelings. It's how we all feel the job should be done, how we feel at our desk. And the metric is the true one. You know, like I might feel like I lost weight this week until I step on the scale and realize- I that, always yeah. feel it. Like yeah. Or I might feel like I lost out this weekend and I'm on the scale. I'm like, not so bad. We're all right. You know,
0: like. And retention is a challenging one because it can take a while to move that needle. But if the team understands how powerful that 1% is, I think that can help um, along the way. But as an agency owner, getting your eyes on what's actually happening, doing that health assessment in your agency that Kelly and her team walk agencies through, you get a pulse on what's going on. and, And then you you work with the team to have these these mindset shifts that we've talked about getting their buy-in. There's this human element of all these challenges that go into ah, you know, a, a video proposal, for example, or um, remarkets. It feels just like extra work or it feels like it's not going to make a huge dent. So once you've laid that groundwork and you're coming at it from a leadership perspective and you've done the, the work with your team to help them through the mindset shifts and getting their buy-in so they feel like they're all working on it together, you then set them off to start tackling it. And this is where we can't pull back. We can't just say, oh, we had the conversations. Everyone's on the same page and they're working the cross-sell list now. Sometimes as agency owners, we can get so busy and so tied up in our own distractions and our own challenges and the things that are so important that come across our own desks every day that we forget to get our eyes on what's actually happening. And so I think there's a couple things where it makes a really big difference. One is looking at the data and the metrics. So knowing what your retention is, your bundling ratio, um, really understanding your pending cancellation report like at what phase in the client life cycle is this policy going into non-pay all of these things the talk time um, but listening to the conversations and this is where having leaders that can be really hands-on with the team when you're asking them to take on a new conversation you've asked them to um, instead of being transactional mm-hmm. you talked with them and you've had the meetings around selling value and doing risk reviews and protecting the client now it's about circling back around and following up and listening to what their conversations sound like on the phone because we can't expect it to change overnight. And so this is a continuous investment in our team and our people. I think accountability is a continuous coaching cycle, and it involves a lot of laying that groundwork and then taking a look at what's going on, getting your eyes on that data, following up, providing more coaching. And the cycle continues and that's where it it becomes challenging and it becomes easy to kind of skip some of those steps because Uh, it
1: does. And I mean, from a leadership perspective, I say to leaders and we put it in the calendar, it's going in the calendar now. It's not going in the calendar because you're going to come up this week and be like, I'm busy or I'm on vacation or so-and-so and all the things that stop us from doing the things that are important. It's just put it in the calendar now for the rest of the year and when it comes up to the day, if you need to move it, you need to move it, but don't wing it because it's just like reviews, like in agencies, sometimes we'll come in and be like, Hey, I haven't had a review in three years, you know? And I'm like, okay, so I'll go to the, what, what happened? Oh, we just got busy and blah, blah, blah. And, and like, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, everybody needs a review every year, you know, pay aside, like people need to know what's going on. Um. So you got to put it in your calendar. The other thing you have to do is you have to look at the numbers and have trust and faith in them. And that's the biggest challenge we see, you know, like if you look at a report and you don't have faith in it, your staff won't have faith in it and it just becomes a paperweight. And so whatever it takes to get it right, you need to unpeel that onion and that may take six months. And it doesn't matter because you have all this information coming in. You've got carrier downloads. I mean, we've seen some where we start peeling apart the onion and some carriers haven't downloaded for six months. And you're like, how did that not happen? Like, this is a big problem. And so we need to have that data so spot on. And, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we have to have a measuring stick. And if we use the same measuring stick every time, we're good. And then we have to share that num- those data points. Like, you know, when we're looking at an agency, a simple report that's usually pretty accurate in every agency is just a cancellation report. Let's have a meeting every month and code them so we see what's the number one reason people are leaving us. Maybe it's non-payment, like maybe it's just payment issues. Well, we can we can put a process in place to fix that and curve that number pretty quick. You know, maybe it's price. Maybe we're getting kicked by GEICO. Well, you know what those GEICO policies and we better get out 60 days in advance on to talk to them before they start shopping. You know, whatever it is, if the numbers are there, everybody's in an agreement and an acknowledgement of the problem. And so it's not just Caitlin, you're doing a bad job. Our your retention's low. It's like, well, why? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a licensed insurance agent. I've been doing the same job for 20 years. I have this is the first time I'm seeing it. Let's talk about it and come up with a plan. And that's you as the leader has to set that strategy for execution. Um, but people learn, right? The biggest thing in an agency is wait and see. Oh, we'll wait and see if this sticks. <laughs> And you as a leader can't do that. You got You have to make that commitment because you can't ask your staff to commit to something you're not going to commit to. And also what's the other, what's the other plan? I mean, I just shot a video where it's like, I really believe the mega agencies of the world and Geico and progressive want us out of business. The mega agencies want to buy the smaller guys and Geico wants to eat our lunch. So what are we going to do about it? You know, like, You can't tell me that if you were fighting for your life, you know, like that you couldn't do renewal reviews. Of course you could. The problem is we're frogs in boiling water, right? The water just keeps getting a little hotter, a little hotter, a little hotter. And instead, what we really need to do is say, you know, nope, I'm going to own my community. I'm going to own this book of business. And we are going to just do things differently. But we got to believe we can first.
0: Absolutely. And your team will get that confidence from you. If you're confident that, You're going to be able to move the needle. You'll be able to see the big changes. You'll be able to see the big wins and you don't lose that vision. Your team will feel that energy and it makes all the difference in them. Just like if they're not confident that the client should stay with the the agency, then the client's not going to be confident that they shouldn't keep shopping. It's, It's the same message. So I want to encourage you, uh, agency owners, as you're listening, that these um, these things that might feel like really big changes, like, oh, you need a digital marketing strategy, you need a specialized sales and service, there's a, a better way to remarket. Those are really big mountains to tackle, but it can be done and it will be worth it and surround yourself with people that help you get there that are like-minded and that can help you navigate it. Because to Kelly's point, it's a long journey and it doesn't turn over overnight. Um, But you can start making massive changes in your agency today that will enable you to compete in the modern insurance market over those megas and those you know direct call centers that um, they don't have to be a threat to your agency because there's a unique position that you can bring. When you bring that value conversation, that's not a a speedy nine minute call and you're broadening your reach beyond, you know, the, the local community that you're in so you can reach more people and you have a highly trained, highly motivated staff. There are some pretty powerful things that you can do with that awesome combination. So, um, Kelly, how can our agents reach out to you, um, to find out more about the six pillars and how you can help their agency?
1: Sure. I just want to mention one thing on what you said. If you're an agency owner and you're feeling burned out, like what Caitlin said, it's going to come back on your team. The biggest thing you can do, anybody can do this. Everyone should do this. Start tomorrow, have the happy hour meeting, stand up meeting, not long, sitting down with your cup of coffee, stand in a circle for seven minutes, go around and say what's one good success we had yesterday. And you will start to get lit up because you'll start to see the good stuff that's hidden behind all the bad stuff. Um, And that's, that is huge. But, for agencies, um, we've got a couple ways we work with agencies. One, we have an online school. So if you wanna learn how to do renewal calls, sales, whatever, we have it all in our online school. It's the same exact content I use when I'm in person with agencies. So that is a huge option. And we're getting ready to release buying processes and procedures on our website. So if you want a claims process, you can go there and just buy it just to get yourself started somewhere. And then our premier program is kind of our VIP program where we work, you know, hand in hand, I become an extension of your agency, um, for, for lack of a better word, um, and kind of fly out there every four, every, uh, four times a year and wow. work in person with your team to get this stuff digested and implemented, but kind of think of it as we're installing it. Um, and so, you know, but either way, I mean, if you, if that's all too much for you guys, our three-minute videos. Our website has over 700 blogs. You can go there and search and get started. And, you know, so any way, shape or form, we're here to help agents and whatever your cup of tea, we'd love to talk to you.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Kelly. And agents, this series is about you. The age of independence is here and the industry landscape is changing, but that also brings one of the biggest waves of opportunity that we could ask for. And I think that working together, we can, we can change what the agency ownership opportunity looks like in the independent space and that our, our teams are going to win, our clients are going to win, your agency is going to win. And um, so we're excited to keep that conversation going. Thank you, loyal listeners. This is Caitlin Agar and Kelly Donahue-Piro signing off until next time.
2: Are you looking for an insurance community to join? Have you heard of the L-A-A-I-A? The Latin American Association for Insurance Agents is just not for Latins. Their focus on diversity and inclusion over the last few years has made this 54-year-old association one of the fastest growing and the most dynamic associations in the industry. With established chapters in Florida, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta, and Denver, it's no surprise this association has the attention of everyone in this industry. Their upcoming national convention on beautiful Marco Island includes keynote speaker, Trisha Griffith, the CEO of Progressive. National leaders from around the country like Marshberry, Vertifor, Lula, and more will be here on center stage as well. And whether you're an independent agent, a captive agent, life or health agency, or even a financial services professional, this association offers you everything you need to network and grow your business. Make sure you check them out and consider joining me, Jason Cass, at the next upcoming convention. It's going to be August 21st, the 24th at the JW Marriott on stunning Marco Island. This has been Cass approved.